Well, good morning. Hope you had a good weekend and as Steve alluded to, survived the deluge that we had. Uh, next Sunday is our fifth Sunday, and you'll hear probably more about that today and this week to remind you. But uh, it's also going to be uh, during our lunchtime. Fifth Sunday is um, uh, we have a separate schedule we do. So we have a lunch together, and then we have a, a devotional following. And then uh, we are uh, dismissed for the day to, to be able to, to spend time with family and friends and to reach out uh, to those around us. But uh, next Sunday for lunch... I want to encourage everybody to stick around. You bring, bring something, bring whatever it is that's specific to you, but stick around because we're going to be honoring Ruth uh, as she retires here uh, in just a couple of weeks. So the countdown is, uh, is getting louder in our heads. And so uh, lunchtime next Sunday, we're going to be honoring her uh, over in the activity center. So I want to make sure that uh, you're aware of that and uh, plan for that. So eight and a half years. Uh, Ruth has been uh, serving us here and, and keeping, uh, specifically keeping the office on track, keeping the ministers in line, and uh, making sure that, that things go uh, smoothly. And we appreciate that so much. And uh, we are going to welcome Brenda in uh, her new position. So some transitions coming here in the next few weeks. So we're excited uh, for the opportunities ahead for, for Jim and Ruth and uh, for Brenda. And so we look forward to that. So we have been studying uh, through Hebrews, and we've been looking at Hebrews 11 specifically, and about these lives of, of people, God followers from the past, whom the author lifts up as, as examples of living by faith. And so we've been looking at this living by faith and how faith is a choice. Faith is something you choose. It's not a one-time choice. It's a daily commitment to God and the truth of His Word. And so Scripture is replete with this urging to choose the way of God. And Hebrews was written to show us how the way of God, the way through Christ, has always been by faith. And so among these examples of faith we've seen, we looked at Joshua uh, a couple of weeks ago, who became the leader of the Hebrews after Moses. And Joshua was this military career man, raised up as a soldier. And there are certain occupations when, when you uh, mention a biblical character, you associate a certain occupation with them, those that we've grown up, some of us grown up hearing these stories or heard them quite often. And so to say a particular name brings a, a particular thought to mind, an occupation. Like when you say Joshua, you think about general or, or military leader. When you say David, you might think King David, but initially he was what? He was a shepherd boy, David, right? We've got songs about that. And Esther, Queen Esther, we know about her. Matthew, the tax collector. You've got Caiaphas. When you say Caiaphas, you think about high priest. When you say Peter, you think about fishermen. When you say Lydia, you think about seller of purple. And so perhaps the strangest of all, though, is Rahab. <laughs> so you mention her name, and those of us who know this story, immediately one occupation and only one comes to mind. Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. And so the Bible makes no bones about Rahab's occupation and makes no attempts to cover it up. No attempts to smooth it over whatsoever. And so we first meet her in Joshua chapter 2 in verse 1, and she is called a prostitute named Rahab. And so she's called Rahab the prostitute twice in Joshua 6. And if that isn't enough, twice in the New Testament her occupation is mentioned. And once in James and once in our text for today. And so five times in all. One time would have been enough, Right. I mean, we get it, don't we? We hear it once, we get it. But it seems to me that God wants us to think prostitute when we think about Rahab. Now, why on earth is that? That's not an easy fact for us to face, 
that God would keep bringing this up. And our religious culture, our religious stance today, we try our hardest not to show any signs of spiritual weakness, either in our past or in our present. We try to cover that stuff up. We don't want anybody to know. And that cover-up can be one of the greatest barriers to someone coming to Christ. Because is Jesus only for people like you and me? You know, we got it all together, right? Is Jesus just for us? The biblical record doesn't give us very many details about Rahab, but we know she lived in Jericho. And she knows she lived near the city wall, or in the city wall, uh, as some allude to. And so she was evidently well known to the men of the city, because the two spies had no trouble getting directions to her house. And the king of Jericho knew where she lived and knew who she was. But there are many things we don't know about Rahab, and that makes the following fact startling. So the Bible holds Rahab up, Rahab the harlot up, as an example of faith in Hebrews 11. Think of this list we've gone down. You've got Abel, you've got Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And then suddenly, Hebrews 11 and verse 31, By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped the destruction of the disobedient, because she welcomed the spies in peace. So she is listed. She's up there with the man who built the ark. She's right there with the father of faith. She's right there with the man who led the Hebrews out of Egypt, the great leader Moses, who was given the law. And so in one fell swoop, God reaches down and he rearranges our neat little categories. There's no attempt whatsoever to cover up her sordid past. And we talked about how choices have consequences. We remember that from our last lesson a couple of weeks ago. And just as we remember Peter, who, what did he do? He denied the Lord, what, three times, right? We remember that about him. We remember Judas, who betrayed Jesus. And now we also recall Rahab, the harlot. And from a Jewish perspective, you've got Rahab, who had three strikes against her. She was a woman. She was a Canaanite, and she was a prostitute. And so closer to the first century time, Jewish men would sanctimoniously pray, Lord, I thank you that you did not make me a Gentile or a woman. Yeah, they prayed this prayer. And so yet as we hold up the Word of God here in Hebrews, we are called to consider the faith of a Gentile woman who was a prostitute. And so... It blows our minds. It certainly blew there. This would have been hard for them to swallow. It'd be, it'd been like, you remember when the news came out that Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer, remember when he was baptized into Christ on death row? Do you remember that? Surely he wasn't. <laughs> it didn't count, right? It'd been like the thought of a terrorist who mercilessly kills populations of people receiving the same invitation to repent and confess Jesus Christ as you and I received. See, when you're living in a world darkened by sin, we have to rely on the only true light that can light our way. And that's the light of the Word of God. God commanded Israel, you kill everyone and everything in Jericho. And that seems crazy to me. I mean, this is the angry God of the Old Testament, right? That people point to. But God had given the Canaanites like 400 years to fill up the measure of their sin, as he mentioned in Genesis 15. And for 40 years now, they had heard this, these tales, these stories, this, this news coming out of the, of the desert 
about how God, this God of, of the Israelites, was leading them and feeding them and caring for them all through this wilderness area, delivered them from Egypt, had them cross this Red Sea on dry ground. So for 40 years, they've been hearing these stories. And then for the, for the recent several years, they had heard how God had defeated the Amorite kings for his nation, Sion and Og there and on the other side of the Jordan. And now immediately, seven days now, what's been going on as we saw last time, seven days they've been encamped and marching around this walled city just as God commanded. So they had heard, all the people within the city had heard all of this. But did they repent of their sins? Well, apparently one did, right? But let's back up just a little bit before the Israelites put those Walmart sacks on their head and marched around the city. And if that makes no sense to you, you can go to the website or our app and listen to two weeks ago lesson. But we're 15 miles outside of Jericho now. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. Joshua, son of Nun, sent two spies out from Shittim secretly and instructed them, find out what you can about the land, especially Jericho. And so they stopped at the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they spent the night there. So they stopped at the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they spent the night there. It's like, what? <laughs> Them boys shouldn't have been up in that house of wickedness. You know, what's going on here with this? So think about it. You've got a military operation, a covert military operation. How do you get information? Where do you go to hide in plain sight? Well, it seems pretty natural that you would go to a house where it's perfectly normal for men to be coming all hours of the day and night. Where else can you hide in plain sight? I assure you, this was a business trip. And unfortunately, their business was found out by the king and his secret agents. And so, verse 2, The king of Jericho received this report. Note well, he says, Israelite men have come here tonight to spy on the land. And so the king of Jericho sent this order to Rahab. You turn over the men who came to you, the ones who came to your house, for they have come to spy on the whole land. But the woman hid the two men and replied, Yes, these men were clients of mine, but I didn't know where they came from. And when it was time to shut the city gate for the night, the men left. I don't know where they're heading. Chase after them quickly. You have time to catch them. Now, parentheses, we need to know. She had taken them up to the roof and she hid them in the stalks of flax that she had spread out on the roof. So they had flat roofs. Use the roof for, you know, entertaining and mostly for, for hanging stuff out, preserving food preservations and drying out the flax, obviously. So they're left there on these piles of flax hiding out. And meanwhile, the king's men tried to find them on the road to the Jordan River near the ford. So they set out just like she said. The city gate was shut as soon as they set out in pursuit of them. So why would Rahab go against the laws of her king in an effort to protect these two spies, foreign spies who were seeking information on how to conquer the city in which she lives. Why would she do that? Well, now before the spies went to sleep, Rahab went up to the roof and she said to the men, I know the Lord is handing this land over to you. We are absolutely terrified of you and all who live in the land are cringing before you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt and how you annihilated the two Amorite kings, Sion and Og, on the other side of the Jordan. And when we heard the news, we lost our courage and no one could even breathe for fear of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. So do you see the pattern here? Or dare I say, did you hear the pattern here? 
What'd she say? She says, I know your victory is inevitable. I know this. I believe it's so inevitable that I and this whole city in which I live, every person here, even in the land of Canaan, has been shaking in our sandals because of you. She says we've been cringing, cringing, fainting, thinking about this moment when you got here. How could Rahab know this? How did she know this? Why would she be afraid of something that no real army has been able to do? Jericho still stands. Ominous Jericho. How how could she be so afraid of something that nobody's been able to do, much less this ragtag string of wanderers in the desert? She doesn't know because it hasn't happened yet, right? Jericho's still standing. How can she and the rest of the city be so certain? She says what? I have heard. We have heard. When we heard. They had heard great things God had done for, the Israel, for, for Israel and through the Israelite people. And yet we know in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that consequently, faith comes from what? What is heard. And what is heard comes through the preached Word of Christ or the Word of God. So faith comes from hearing The truth of God. What is that truth? Namely, that God is the great deliverer. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the great news to everyone who's going to be on God's side. But you see, there's a desert full of graves. And there's about to be a city reduced to rubble, not because they had not heard. The Hebrews did not have to wander for 40 years because they had not heard from God. Rahab is not the only Canaanite who heard about the greatness of God. Israel will suffer generation after generation after generation at the hands of foreign armies throughout the promised land, not because they did not hear of the promises of God or because they did not understand the promises of God. It was their obstinate and disobedient heart that brought the wrath of God down upon them. Faith comes from hearing, but hearing is not passive. Faith requires action. And Rahab acted. And so, verse 11, when we heard the news, we lost our courage and no one could even breathe for fear of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And so Rahab seems to be the only one who repented and confessed the name of God. Because faith what? Faith moves us forward. Faith propels us forward. Faith requires action. And so now, verse 12, so now the promise, promise me this with an oath sworn in the Lord's name. Because I have shown allegiance to you, she said, you show allegiance to my family. Give me a solemn pledge that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and rescue us from death. And the men said to her, if you die, may we die too. If, if, if you do not report what we've been up to, then when the Lord hands the land over to us, we will show unswerving allegiance to you. And then Rahab let them down by a rope through the window. Her house was built as part of the city wall. She lived in the wall. And she told them, you head to the hill country so the ones chasing you don't find you. Where has she sent them? Opposite direction. And so hide from them there for three days, long enough for those chasing you to return. And then you can be on your way. And the men said to her, we are not bound by this oath you made us swear unless the following conditions are met. 
when we invade the land, you tie this red rope in the window through which you let us down and gather together in your house, your father, mother, brothers, and all who live in your father's house. Anyone who leaves your house will be responsible for his own death. We are innocent in that case. But if anyone with you in the house is harmed, we will be responsible. If you should report what we've been up to, we're not bound by this oath you made us swear. And she said, I agree to these conditions. And so she sent them on their way and then tied the red rope in the window. So why a scarlet cord? Why a red rope? Seems odd, doesn't it? In the chaos of the coming battle, a a scarlet cord is going to be easily seen by the attacking army as they approach. It's not going to go unnoticed. But there's a deeper symbolism at work here. See, the scarlet cord reminds us it's just a few years ago as they fled Egypt. The scarlet cord reminds us of the blood of the Passover. God told Israelites what? On that night that He delivered them to to, to the Exodus. He told them what? He said, you paint your doorposts, the home doorposts of your home, you paint that with the blood of the sacrificial lamb, right? All who were in your home, all who were covered by this blood are going to be saved by the death that's going to visit those who are without. And so the death of his firstborn is what broke Pharaoh's will and had him send them packing towards Canaan's land. And so the color scarlet was no coincidence. Red is no coincidence. And it's not, it was a scarlet cord that guaranteed her deliverance from otherwise certain death. But it's not the cord. It's what the cord represents and who made the promise of the cord. And so as soon as the spies left, Rahab tied that scarlet cord to her window so everyone could see it. She had no idea when the attack was coming. She didn't know the time frame, the timeline that they were on. Maybe a few days, maybe several weeks. She didn't know when the trumpet would sound. But it didn't matter. So think about this. What would happen? What would have happened? if Rahab had forgotten and never got around to tying that cord from her window? What would have happened to her? She would have died, just like everyone else in that city. What if she had told her best friend, girl, you will not believe what I've just been through, what just happened to me, who was just in my house. What if she had told her best friend what was going on? She would have died, like everybody else in Jericho. What if she had a change of heart and decided to alert the king to the plans of the Israelites. What would have happened? She would have died just like everybody else in Jericho. She heard the promise. She believed the promise. And then she acted upon the promise. It's never merely enough to hear the truth. For faith to take root in our hearts, hearing the truth must move you to action sooner or later. James says in James 2 and verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And similarly, was not Rahab, the prostitute, there it is, also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And so Rahab the harlot, this sinful woman who sold her body for money, she made the hall of fame of faith. But she made it for one reason. It's when the chips were down or when the walls came a tumbling down. She believed the promise and she did something about it. And that simple scarlet cord saved her life. Rahab wanted salvation. 
and she asked for salvation. And the God of all goodness, the God of all mercy, the God of all grace and love and justice, He freely gave that to her based upon her faith in Him. And she demonstrated that faith by doing what she was instructed to do. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction of the disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. And it wasn't just that she welcomed them in peace. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But what? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's not just that she welcomed the spies. It's that she did what she was told to do in order to be saved. And so Rahab escaped by moving forward, living, doing faith. And about three months later, Joshua 6 and verse 20, the ram's horn sounded. And when the army heard the signal, they gave a loud battle cry and the wall collapsed and the warriors charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. They annihilated with the sword everything that breathed in the city, including men and women, young and old, as well as cattle, sheep and donkeys. Joshua told the two men who had spied on the land, you enter the prostitute's house. And bring out the woman and all who belong to her as you promised her. So the young spies went and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought, her, they brought out her whole family and took them to a place outside the Israelite camp. But they burned the city and all that was in it, except for the silver, gold, and bronze, and iron items that they put in the treasury of the Lord's house. Yet Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute her father's family, and all who belong to her. She lives in Israel to this very day of this writing because she hid the messengers Joshua sent to spy on Jericho. A Gentile female prostitute. <laughs> and by the time of Christ, this resume, this a Gentile female prostitute, this resume would have made a, a, a Jew throw up a little bit in their throat. It's nauseating. It truly is. But our past is not in the way of our salvation. And too often we can think that we have done some things that are just too awful for God to forgive. He can't forgive me because surely nobody has done what I've done. Surely nobody has been involved in what I've been involved. Surely nobody has been fighting the battles that I've been fighting. We may think that we're not deserving of salvation because of the things we have done. But there is nothing too awful that God will not forgive. God will forgive Every sin we repent of. And yes, we are not deserving of salvation. But that's what grace is all about. And it's not an intentional jab to tag Rahab's name with harlot every time it pops up in Scripture. In fact, this should be the brightest light illuminating the grace of God. This is the essence of God's grace. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 and Verse 8, for by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not from works, so that no one can boast. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. 
But what if you don't know very much about God or about Jesus? It's not the amount of faith that matters. It's the object of your faith. Rahab knew enough to know that the God of the Israelites was a true God. They worshipped all kinds of, of pagan weird stuff. But she had never heard about a God who was doing and could do what this God of the Israelites. So she thought, he's for real. She knew that much. And her faith caused her to welcome the spies and then send them on their way in peace. And her faith caused her to, to hang the scarlet cord out the window. And so in, in theological terms, she's in spiritual kindergarten. <laughs> Rahab is. But God delights to save notorious sinners. And so every sinner should take heart and come running to Jesus. See, God not only delights, but He will use that saved sinner to blow the minds of everyone else who thinks themselves better than that person. And what happened to Rahab after the fall of Jericho? Well, we know this much. We know she joined the Israelite settlement in the land of Canaan, moved, moved, in, moved with them, moved in with them. She married a Jewish man named Salmon. Together they had a son named Boaz, whose name pops up in the book of Ruth. Boaz and Ruth give birth to Obed, who became the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who eventually became king of Israel. Hundreds of years after her name shows up on the first page of the New Testament, Jewish Matthew recalls the genealogy of Jewish Jesus for his Jewish audience. And guess who's there? She was actually more Jewish <laughs> than most of the Jews because she believed and. Matthew includes, chapter 1, Matthew, verse 1, this is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Look in verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. Rahab, the harlot, <laughs> made the list. She is part of Jesus' family tree. And not only that, but by faith, she is part of the spiritual family tree. She's going to enjoy eternity in a city whose walls will never crumble nor be overtaken by an enemy. And I cannot help but think, that she will no longer be known as Rahab the harlot. Because Scripture says we will all be changed. We will be changed. Just as God prophesied through Isaiah. Isaiah 62 and verse 11. He says, look, the Lord announces to the entire earth. You say to the daughter of Zion, the daughter of Jerusalem, the daughter of my people. You say, look, your deliverer comes. Look, his reward is with him and his reward goes before him. They will be called the holy people. The ones protected by the Lord. You will be called sought after. City not abandoned. Protected. Searched for. Not abandoned. And we find the Word of God once again. The Word of God this time coming to people in the flesh. Speaking the message of God. God the Deliverer. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, we read these words of Jesus. Jesus, which is an English translation of the Greek Iesu, which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew 
Yeshua or Joshua. So now we have Joshua saying to his army, his spiritual army, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved. But the one who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus sends His disciples out now saying, don't tell them to hang a scarlet cord in the window of their home. You tell them to drape My scarlet blood on the window of their heart. And when I come, I will take them home. That's the Gospel, brothers and sisters. That's the message that our friends and our family need to hear. That's the message that some of us need to hear. It's not about who you were. It's not about who you are. It's about who you will be in and through Jesus Christ. And this morning, what's hanging on the window of your heart? Have you got a scarlet cord hanging there? Is the blood of Christ covering your heart? Promising you that you have an eternal home with Him in heaven. Is His Spirit leading you? Are you following the lead of His Spirit as a baptized child of God? Going where He leads. Obeying God in each and every aspect of your life. If not, why not? Is it because sin has gotten a hold of you? Has your heart become obstinate? You feel like this life is too hard? This life is hard. But we have eternal life, an eternal city, an eternal reward that we've got to stay focused on and encourage one another. To keep our eyes on this morning, if we can encourage you in prayer, lift you up to God our Father. We want to do that. And it's time, if you haven't already, let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all of your sin. So that when He comes at the trumpet sound and the walls of this earth come crashing down, He will lift you up from the rubble and He will welcome you home as His child. Will you be baptized today? for the forgiveness of your sins. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. If we can help you in any way in your walk with God. Will you come now?